I want to preach a message entitled, The Catch of the Day. <clears throat> the Catch of the Day. Growing up in Maine, uh, I was around uh, and had opportunity to have, and growing up in the country and around a lot of rivers and lakes and things like that, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, have a lot of seafood, or I should say a lot of fish. In fact, growing up in Maine, you would think I would have had a lot of lobster. Uh, but I did not eat my first lobster until I was 16 years old. And when I did, I fell in love instantly. Uh, me and lobster, we get along really great. It's just getting this far away from that good old Maine lobster, they price it way too high. I don't go, I don't go near it here in the Midwest. When I head back east, I find something, some little bit of lobster somewhere. But growing up uh, in Maine as I did, I would often go fishing with my dad. We would go uh, maybe out to a stream and a you know, particular place where out in the woods, I mean, you, you could go to a stream anywhere, but for some reason to find the fish and where the, the good little brook trout were, you had to walk through a, a big pile of woods and a bunch of forest and you would get to this hole. And we would just walk down the stream. It wasn't that deep. We would walk down the stream, and we would uh, just, you know, we'd be fishing. And, and uh, sure enough, every now and then, you'd get a bite. And if they were a certain size, you had to throw them back. But if they were bigger than that, you could keep them. And I loved fish. I loved my mother. We'd bring them home. She would, you know, my dad would clean them, and, and my mother would just fry them up in a pan with a little bit of cornmeal covering them. And it was just, it was delicious. It was why I could just sit and eat that all day long. On one particular occasion, I remember fishing with my dad and my older brother Norman. And my brother Norman got up on this, this place where there was a bit of a waterfall. And before I knew it, my brother was sliding down the thing. It just, it, his feet went out from under him. But I remember those times, they were, they were great. And, you know, had we not gone out and caught those particular fish our meal maybe would have been something different that evening, but we brought in the catch of the day. If you go to a seafood restaurant or go to any kind of restaurant, they might have what's called the catch of the day. And you don't know what that is. You've got to ask because it literally is dependent upon whatever the fisherman brought into the restaurant and sold to the restaurant. It might be one type of fish. It might be another type. But it changes from day to day. It is the catch of the day. But Jesus, it's an interesting thing in the Bible, he calls fishermen to do a work for him. They were familiar with the idea of fishing because it was their profession. The catch of the day in the Bible is infinitely greater than what the catch of the day is in a restaurant. Because, and we're going to read this passage of Scripture, I want you to go, if you're already there, Luke chapter 5, and looking at verses 1, we're going to read down through to verse 11. Luke 5, 1 through 11. The Bible says this, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, also Peter. 
and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, listen to this, left everything and followed him. The catch of the day in the Bible is really the catch of a life. I want to tell you today that God, as, as we've been worshiping, he's pleased with our worship. As you're here in church, you are obeying what the Scripture says when the Bible tells us that we are not to forsake the gathering of the saints together as some are in the custom of doing. You are here today. God is certainly, He is pleased with that. But I think that God is more pleased, and the Bible seems to indicate this, that God is pleased and happy and all of heaven rejoices when just one sinner comes into the presence of God and repents of their sin. That the one lost sheep coming to God and saying, now I have been found, I repent of my sins, that all of heaven rejoices. Brothers and sisters, we have been called to a greater purpose than just gathering together and forming a little fellowship. We have been called to be fishers of men. The calling that God gave to his disciples, the calling that Jesus gave to those men on that particular day is not just a calling that they are to have. It is a calling for all of the disciples of Jesus that we would come and we would be fishers of men. You have a destiny today, and your destiny is greater than just passing through life, trying to get by, trying to survive. Your destiny today is to be men and women who would reach out to a lost and a dying world because God's heart is beating for the lost today. We often look out at the world and we look at those who are doing whatever it is that they're doing, whatever kind of sin they're involved in. And often we, from a distance, we sort of judge whether or not they're willing. You know, you go out and maybe it is that you are intentionally trying to meet, meet up with somebody to witness to them. 
And maybe from the conversation, as the conversation goes, you begin to judge whether or not you could open your mouth and and begin to witness for the Lord. And maybe from a distance you begin to think, not going to happen, I can't do it, just can't do it. You know, I think that what God has for each and every one of us is to be obedient to his word, to be fishers of men, to put the hook out, to put the bait out, and then let God do the work in their hearts. We oftentimes take the role of the Holy Spirit upon ourselves and assume we have to do the convicting. No, we don't. We have to do the witnessing and let the Holy Spirit do the work in the hearts of those lives that we are reaching out to. We need to understand that while the call of Peter, James, and John was specific to them, the principles of our being able to reach out and catch the life that needs catching is the same for us today. Brothers and sisters, the catch of the day is that one unsaved person that you will put that bait out, you'll put that hook out, and begin to witness to and reach out to a lost and a dying world and believe that God is going to do greater things in their lives than you could ever, ever accomplish. I'm about out of water, and my mouth is about as dry as it possibly could be. I'm wondering if we could just hit me with another shot, please. Thank you so much. Uh, And somehow make it through the message. I want us to look at this. Fishing, first of all, the first thing that we need to see in this passage is fishing for men requires faith. It requires faith. Not faith in our ability. How many of you have ever heard the appeal or the call to go out on the street to witness? And you have said, oh, that can't be me. I, that's just not me. I just cannot do that. Raise your hand. Go ahead. Come on. Let's be honest. I have to. I have to. There's just something about going out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. There is just something about going out approaching somebody you do not know and they do not know you. And as we live in a world that is so full of skepticism, you begin to catch eye contact with somebody. And I know I've done it. All of a sudden, my eyes catch their eyes and immediately they go down. You know, because we live in the city. You know, eye contact, it might mean you want something. It might mean that you're looking for something, you know, all of that. Oh, well, in the end, folks, we've got to make eye contact in order for us to make any kind of contact. And what do we want? We want the opportunity to just talk to that person about somebody who gave his life for them. But it requires faith. Say, but I, I'm, I'm an introverted person. I'm the kind of individual who I just, you know, I have a hard time talking to strangers. I have a hard time talking to anybody about anything. But you know what? It's not just about the stranger. It might be about that coworker. It might be about that friend, about that family member, that neighbor that you come in contact with every now and then. And just taking a moment to say, God, I'm going to trust in you right now. Listen to what the Bible says in verses 4 and 5. It says this, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now listen to what Simon answered. Peter says this, Simon answered, Master, 
we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Notice that. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. The first thing that we have to be aware of about faith and faith reaching out to catch men is faith cannot be intimidated by history. Faith must never be intimidated by the past. Say, well, I witnessed to somebody a little while ago and they just told me to go take my religion and just, you know, take a long walk off a short pier. They, they got so upset that I started talking to them about God. I talked to somebody else about it, and we had a good conversation, but we got to the end, and I asked them if they wanted to accept Jesus, and they said no. I did this, I taught, and I, I, I got out on the street, and I, or I talked to my neighbor, and I had this conversation, and they said, ah, I'm not really into religion. So they said no. So history tells me that I can't do this. But you know what, brothers and sisters, faith has to overcome history. History may have told you that somehow people aren't going to be willing to hear the message of the gospel, but faith cannot be intimidated. Jesus told Peter to go back out into deep water and let down the nets. Well, how does this require faith? Since this is likely what any fisherman would naturally, when he's going fishing, he would do anyway. Peter's statement shows that it required faith. It's because we've been out there and we haven't caught anything. I've witnessed to my neighbor and I haven't caught anything. It's an interesting thing that Peter was to go out pretty much probably in the same spot as where he was before. Go back out there. Go back out into that lake or that sea where you have fished and you have not caught anything. Go ahead. Go put your nets down and let's see what's going to happen. But God, I've, you know, I've done this before. Nobody wants to listen. Nobody wants to hear. Be careful when you say nobody. That's a, that's a pretty broad, sweeping, general kind of, of word to use. Nobody wants to hear. I believe with all my heart, brothers and sisters, we are, we are growing up now, I believe, in more of an atheistic America than we have ever seen in our lifetime. Kids are growing up without any knowledge of God, any knowledge of church, or anything. So you know what? We've got to start at square one. And square one is simply, you know what? The Bible tells us that we are a sinner. But the good news is Jesus came to this earth. He died on the cross for our sins. Brothers and sisters, it requires faith for us to go out into a world and a culture that seems so apathetic and seems like it doesn't care and seems like they just don't want anything to do with it. Don't make the broad, sweeping, general statement that nobody wants to hear because I believe that there are people who are so lost and so bound. Listen, what they've been taught in schools about evolution, that hasn't given them any kind of purpose for living. What they've been taught about their lives and them as a culture hasn't given them any kind of purpose or any kind of destiny. And I want to well, so you say, Pastor, there are a lot of people out there who are very successful and their purpose in life it seems to be is to to create a product that everybody wants to have but when you get to the end of it all and you 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 lie on your deathbed and you're about to leave the product stays but where are you going to end up where are you going to be brothers and sisters we've got to reach to the heart of the matter 
matter and get down to the nitty-gritty of where people are and where they're headed for eternity. That is ta- That takes faith, and we've got to believe that God is going to empower us and help us to fulfill the need. God tells us to go back sometimes to the very same place that we were before. But God, they rejected it before. They're not going to want to hear it. Go back to them. Go back to that individual and begin to share. You don't know what's going on in their life that maybe has brought them to the point where it is that they sense and they feel in their hearts and they know all of a sudden that something is missing, but they don't know what it is and they need to know that it is Jesus, that within the heart of every man, God has created a heart-shaped vacuum or a God-shaped vacuum that can only be filled by Him. Brothers and sisters, the world is lost. The world is dying without Christ. They need to know the love of Jesus and they need to know that he cared enough for them to come to this earth to die for them. Faith must respond to his word. Listen to what Peter said. He said, because you say so. Because you say so. Not because I feel like it. Because if we depended on how we feel to do any kind of ministry in the church or any kind of ministry to anybody else, to those who are hurting, to those who are lost, to the sinner out on the street, to the sinner in your your building, if we waited for any kind of feeling to motivate us to do it, we will be waiting for all of eternity and nothing will get done. It has nothing to do with how you feel. It has nothing to do with how I feel. It has everything to do with what God has told us to do. Peter recognized in that moment that it's not about the fact that I have been fishing all night and I feel tired. I didn't catch anything. It's not about the history. We were unsuccessful before, so surely we're going to be unsuccessful again. No, it is about the word of the Lord. God says, and Jesus said at that moment, he said, I want you to go back out there and I want you to put out your nets, put it down in the deep water. And Peter says, well, here's what's happened. We fished all night, caught nothing, but because you say it. You know what, brothers and sisters, when it all comes down to it, we've got to do the work of the Lord and do the work of the ministry because he said so. Not because we feel like it, not because we feel good on the inside, not because afterwards when we do, you will feel great. And I guarantee you, listen, anytime we've had any kind of meeting, any kind of outreach, any kind of anything, after that is over with, don't you just feel lifted as a result of it? But boy, there's some anxiety leading up to it, isn't there? There's like this this feeling of, oh, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not sure how it's going to work out. Listen, it's going to work out just fine because he said so, and we've got to operate on his say-so. When God tells us to go out into a lost and a dying world to preach the gospel and to, to witness to our neighbors and our friends and our loved ones and the person you just, you know, talk to on the phone, when God tells us to do it, we've got to obey and say, Lord, I may not have had success before, but I'm going to trust in you right now because you say so, I'm going to do it. And he was obedient. They were obedient to do it. See, fishing for men requires obedience. That's the next thing I want you to see. 
verse 6 says, when they had done so, they did exactly what Jesus told them to do. Nothing more, nothing less. They did exactly what he said to do. God is not looking and asking for us to come up with the solution to the problem of lost souls. He has already done it. He's already come up with the solution. The solution is he sent his son to this earth, died on the cross for their sins, shed his blood on Calvary so that they could trust in him. So his solution now is what he said to his disciples after the resurrection, right before he ascended into heaven, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. There are times where I preach and I feel like I'm banging my head against the wall because there are times where I preach and it seems like it's not reaching you. It's not getting to the heart of where you're at. And every now and then I feel like, God, why in the world am I doing this? I want to say it was Charles Spurgeon who said that there is no more frustrating exercise than preaching. And that is from the Prince of Preachers, one of the greatest preachers to have ever lived on the planet. And yet there are times where I believe as we preach, we do what we're supposed to do, do as God tells us to, and then let the Holy Spirit do the work in the hearts of individuals. See, sometimes, and I mentioned this before we, earlier in the, in the meeting, we sometimes take what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do and we think we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to convict. No, we're not. That's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit is going to draw people. We've got to lift up Jesus. We've got to, to bait that hook, put it out there, and let God do the work in people's lives. What about when they get saved? We've got to let God do the work in their lives too. We, we encourage them along. We help them along. We try to nurture them and help them to grow. But in the end, the work is God. We do nothing more and nothing less. Don't take upon yourself what you think or what we know in Scripture is the work of God in their lives. You do your job and God will do His. That's exactly what they did. They put out, they did what they were told. They were obedient to the word of the Lord. But then later on we read about the fact that they left their boats and followed Jesus. Because Jesus was not about the catch of fish. He wasn't concerned about how much fish they got. He was concerned about showing them in that moment that they were going to fish for something greater and that there was going to be results. Brothers and sisters, we got to believe that every time we reach out to somebody in the world, somebody who is an unbeliever, that there will be a result. That God will do a mighty work in that person's life. Don't approach it like, well, you know, with the, you know, the, the glass is half empty. I don't know. It's the eternal pessimist. I'm not sure that God's going to do that. We've got to believe that God is going to work on behalf of his people. He is going to reach down and touch their lives. They left their boats and they followed Jesus because they recognized this is somebody that we need to go after. He said, I want you. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Forget the fish you just saw. Maybe they thought, wow, our business is really going to boom now. We're going to have... Re 
you know, a lot of fish. We've got a lot of money going to roll in. And Jesus says, now I want you to fish for men. I don't want you to fish for anything else. I want you to fish for men. And you know what, brothers and sisters, when that happens, God is going to give an increase. When we begin to trust in what God can do through us, we look at our frailties and we think somehow that it's just all up to us. It ain't up to you. It's up to God. God is the one who's going to pour in the power to help you to reach out to a world that is full of hatred, a world that's full of jealousy and envy, and show the love of Christ. And that love is going to break down the walls that they have in their hearts. God, we've got to depend on him. We've got to trust in him more and more. These disciples, all of a sudden, Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And they said, come on, we're going to go. I'm ready. I'm ready. Make me a fisher of men. Make me go out there and do what God has done. You know what the wonderful thing is? You read in the book of Acts, and that's exactly what happened. They began to preach under the power of the Holy Spirit. And as they preached, people, thousands, the Bible says, was added to the church. And people were added to the church daily. Daily. We are happy if we add one to the church on a yearly basis. Oh, God. God has to help us, doesn't he? He has to help us to set our sights a little bit higher than just one, you know, one a year. Well, it, well, not even one a year. They, they came from another church. You know what? We have sinners that are out in the world. They're lost. They're on their way to hell. They're, they're dying without Christ. They need to know that there is a way out of an eternal destiny in hell. Say, people don't even believe in hell anymore. Well, that's all right. They don't believe in it. But one day they're going to be there unless we can intervene with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fishing. Not only that, but fishing for men requires power from someone greater than us. Look at verse 9. Verse 9. It says, For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. They fished all night and caught not one fish. Jesus steps on the scene he comes into the situation. He comes into their fishing business. And he says, I want to go back out there and put down your nets. And I think Peter started to almost, you know, rebuff a little bit. You know, but Lord, our history is we were unsuccessful last night, all night, nothing. But he says, but because you say so. And when you act in faith, and you act in obedience, you can expect the power of God to come into that moment. You can expect the power of God to come into that situation. You can expect the power of God to come into that time of witnessing, that time of sharing, that time of reaching out. You can expect the power of God to come in. And the Bible says they caught more than they could handle in one boat. And they yelled back to shore, you're going to need a bigger boat. Those who are here Friday night, you'll get that joke. No, they didn't yell that, but they had to yell to their, their friends, bring another boat. Not those exact words. By the way, that's from the movie Jaws. That's not in the Bible. 
Um, but the power of God comes into the situation and gives them an increase like they could not have even expected. No matter how much they had baited that net, they, could, they never had a catch like that. They never probably had had anything like that happen before because the power of God will go beyond what we could imagine or even think. The power of God can do greater things than you and I could even imagine. That's why we've got to depend on him. We've got to trust in him. We've got to be obedient to him because when we are, someone greater will intervene in that situation and begin to do something that is beyond our wildest imaginations. I am still silly enough to believe that God is able to come into this place in such a way as to pack the place out on a regular basis and spill it out onto the street. I believe that God is able to bring revival in such a way that when we fish for men, they're going to come and seek God with all of their heart, their soul, and mind. God is able to do that, brothers and sisters. He is able to do abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. Fishing for men requires a power from someone greater than us. Someone who sees our potential. Luke records the potential that Jesus saw in Peter, James, and John by this phrase, you will catch men. You will catch men. He didn't say, well, I think you might be good candidates. We'll give you a shot and see what happens. Jesus saw in Peter, impulsive Peter, Peter who always seemed to be saying the wrong things at the wrong time, Peter who he knew down the road, about three years or so down the road, was going to deny that he knew him on the night that Jesus was betrayed. Peter, who you know, was then going to get a little upset when Jesus was restoring him at the you know, constant questions, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? This same Peter, he looked at and he said, not you might catch men, he said, you will catch men. You will do what God tells you to do. You will be what God has called you to be. You will be everything that God has designed you to be. Why? Because it doesn't depend on you. It depends on the power of God in that situation. When the day of Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit was poured out, Peter was the guy who stood up and preached the sermon where thousands got saved. God saw the potential in Peter. It's an amazing thing. We might have looked at Peter and said, him? Seriously? Look, Lord, see this guy over here? He's so talented. He's so eloquent. When he speaks, everybody listens. He's just got a way with people. He's just got one of those kinds of deliveries where, you know, when, when he talks, everybody just turns around. He's funny. He's, you know, he, he weaves stories in and out of what it is. He said, Lord, what about this guy over here? He's got a lot of potential. But you know what? The potential is not measured on the outside. God does not look at the outward. He looks at the heart. And God sees what's going on on the inside of you. He sees the potential that you have for his kingdom. Peter, James, and John, these guys, they didn't look like disciples who could shake the world and turn the world upside down, and yet that's exactly what the book of Acts says about those who had come to know Christ, that these are the men who turned the world upside down. 
Why? Because someone looked at them and said, I see. I see through the exterior. I see through the failures. I see through all of the shortcomings. And I see great potential for the kingdom of God. God sees more in you, brothers and sisters, than you see in yourself. You look in the mirror and you say, ah, big zero. Big failure. I've just had nothing but, but, but failures in my life. I can't do anything. And the more you say that, the more God looks down at you and says, you're not looking at what I'm looking at. I'm looking at something different. I'm not looking at the outward man. I'm looking at the heart. I'm looking at what's going on on the inside. And I can use you for my kingdom. I can use you to do great and mighty things. He is someone who sees our potential. You will catch men. And not only that, Someone who works out his process. You see, the power of God helps us to work out what it is that God will do. Matthew and Mark show us the process by which they would become fishers of men. He says, I will make you fishers of men. Both Matthew and Mark state it that way. They record the scene, and they say what Luke doesn't say. Jesus just said, from Luke, Luke is recording, you will catch men. But Matthew and Mark, they, they record this, that Jesus says, I will make you. So it shows that we are absolutely dependent upon his power to make us be what God wants us to be. Do you know that naturally in your own self, in your own ability, in your flesh, you are not able to do anything that God wants you to do? You're not even able to live the Christian life the way that you should. It is through his power, his ability, and it's through someone who works out that process in your life. It's not on you to work it out. It is on God to work it out. It is on God to be able to make you be what he wants you to be. God is in the business, brothers and sisters, of making men and women be what he has called them to be, what he has designed them to be. It's not about you today. It's about what God is able to do in and through your life. It is his power that is able to touch you and give you the strength that you need. Listen, stop depending on yourself. Stop depending on your own abilities. Stop depending on what you think are natural qualities. Listen, there are guys that I know that preach with great skill and great ability. They, they, God has done such great things in their lives, but if you had seen them before, before what, what God had done in their life, before it was that, that God was able to do it, if you had known them, you know, before God began to develop them and work out the process in their lives, you would never have imagined that God was able to do it. Listen, I'm no great orator. I'm not even a great preacher, but I know this. I know that God took an introverted little guy, a guy who was always very shy and still is to this day, and somehow put it within me that I had to preach the gospel and preach from behind a pulpit and, and, and in front of audiences and somehow be what God has called me to be. I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived. But I know this, that God will make us be what he has called us to be simply because he said so, and it's his power that's going to make us. Can we stand together right now?